Welcome to the City Hills Church Sermon Podcast. We hope that the message today helped you encounter God, love people, and discover purpose. For more information about who we are as a church, head over to cityhillschurchsd.com. If you would like to partner with us financially, click the Give button at the top of the homepage on our website. And now, let's jump right into the message. Welcome back to City Hills Church Online. For those of you who have been hanging out with us in person for the last few weeks, welcome back online. We're praying and believing that this will only be a short period of time and we'll be able to get back to in-person services. But hey, last week we kicked off a new series about our choices. And we talked about some really important things about us asking if we're being honest with ourselves. We asked ourselves a question as well. What story do we want to tell with our lives? And the overarching truth that we've been talking about is that our choices determine the direction and the quality of our lives. That's a huge deal, the direction and the quality of our lives. And speaking of quality, don't you find it interesting that so many times in our life that we equate quality with quantity? That we think to ourselves, if I can just have more, if I could have more time, if I could have more influence, if I could have more money, if I could have more people underneath my my command, if I could have more, that things would get a little bit easier, a little bit better. And so many times we just think, if I could have one more, just one more. For some of you going through a challenging season, it sounds like, man, if I could just have one more drink, one more night to myself, you know, it, it, for some of you, it's if I could just have one more swipe of the credit card, if I could have one more business meeting, if I could have one more business trip where I could seal that deal. And I know I haven't seen my family, but if I could just do that one more thing and, and just if I could get this done, then everything for our life, everything for our family is going to look completely different. If I could just have one more and we believe the lie that if we have just a little bit more, that our life would be more fulfilling, more exciting, more purposeful, that we would just have everything that we've been looking for if we could have just a little bit more. But how many of you know this truth, that one more rarely adds value to our lives? That if we don't solidify the things that are truly important in our life, that one more isn't going to add the value that you hoped it would. And for, for many of us, what ends up happening is because we're striving for that one more, we start to flirt with those lines that we've drawn in the sand. Those lines that you've drawn in the sand, maybe as a family, that you said, hey, we're not going to do this as a family. Like, this is where we stop. For some of you, it's the line that you drew in the sand when you became a follower of Jesus. And you said, hey, I'm not going to live this life anymore. I'm not going to do this. This is the line that I don't want to cross. Or for those of you who are still figuring out, you're just saying to yourself, hey, I want to be a good person and good people don't cross this line. But when we're striving for more, sometimes in our life, what happens is that we start to flirt with that line. We get as close to the line as we possibly can without crossing it. And it actually puts us in a dangerous place because we start to say some things to ourselves like this. Well, if it's not wrong, then, then it must be okay, right? Have you ever justified yourself that way? Well, well, I mean, technically it's not wrong. I mean, technically it's not a law. Technically it's not, 
Have you ever justified yourself that way? Of course, I have. I mean, we, we all have gotten to that place where it's like, well, I mean, technically it's not wrong. Or maybe we start to say things like this. Well, if, if it's not illegal, then it must be acceptable. Like, it's, it's totally fine. There's no laws against this. And if it was that bad, then there, there'd probably be some laws around it. Or if it's not immoral, then it, it must be okay. Like, I'm not going to hurt anybody. I'm just, this is just something for me. As long as I don't cross that line, then it must be okay. And this drive in us leads us to getting to a dangerous place in our lives, a place where it's so easy for us to trip and cross that line faster than we thought it could ever happen. And it's important when it comes to our decision making that we understand what it is that we're trying to accomplish. Are we seeking that one more? Are we believing the lie that that one more is going to solve all of it? Or are we going to be honest with ourselves to say, man, I'm a little bit closer to this line than I thought I was. Speaking of that, it reminds me of our Bible story today that we're going to be looking at about King David. And it was, it's a cautionary tale for all of us who even the greatest, highest points of our life where we do incredible things, we're always at risk for letting the enemy slip in and impact or destroy the purpose of the season of our life. And King David, just so you have a little bit of a background, King David was this incredible boy who was the hero of a nation when he defeated Goliath and he went on to have incredible military victories and God showed up in his life and and he was an honorable king. He was he was someone that even before he was a king, when he, he had the opportunity to kill his king who was trying to chase him down and murder him for no reason. He had the opportunity, and we saw just a couple weeks ago, how he chose not to because he felt like it would be dishonorable to God and to the king. And so he risks his life and says, hey, look, I could have killed you, but I didn't. Would you just stop with this fight? Would you stop chasing me down and hunting me down with your army? David was a man of honor. But the truth is, he was still a man. And he wasn't perfect. And he had weaknesses that he unfortunately liked to flirt with the line and it eventually came back to really hurt him. We pick up our story today in 2 Samuel chapter 11, starting in verse 1. It says this, In the spring of the year, when kings normally go out to war, this is important, I'll unpack that in a second, David sent Joab, the Israelite army, to fight the Ammonites. They destroyed the Ammonite army and laid siege to the city of Rabbah. However, David stayed behind in Jerusalem. That's, that's a really important thing there, when kings normally go out. So what this is talking about is in this time, the majority of people never went to war during the winter. It was snowy. The ground was covered. It was it just was treacherous. With You had no idea what the weather was going to do. Your footing was unsure. You, you just did not do it. So what happened during the winter is that these kings would just talk trash. They're just running their mouths for months and months and months until that snow starts to melt away. And then they have to start backing up all that talk by showing up to fight. And so here it is, David, as this king of Israel... It's time. You've had plenty of time to sit in your palace and hang out and do whatever you want during the winter. The spring is here. We're going to war. And instead, what David does is he said, hey, you guys, you guys have it. This one's not that big. You just go take care of it and handle it. I'm going to chill here and, and just rest in the palace. 
But this was not what God wanted him to do. This was not honoring his responsibility. David was where he was not supposed to be. And isn't that true for you and I? How many times have you made a poor decision because you were somewhere that you know I shouldn't be here in the first place? Like, I shouldn't have put myself in a position to have to make this decision. I I shouldn't be here with that person. I shouldn't be in this conversation with this person. I shouldn't be texting this way. I shouldn't be. None of these things should be happening. I'm not supposed to be here in the first place. And now I'm having to deal with decisions that can impact my life. This is where David is. Something as simple as, oh, I'm just going to stay here. You guys go and handle it. It put him into a dangerous position. Look what happens. Verse 2. Late one afternoon after his midday rest, David got out of bed and was walking on the roof of the palace. As he looked out over the city, he noticed a woman of unusual beauty taking a bath. Now, David he sees her, and, and because he's a guy, he probably lingers, and he's just kind of like looking around the pool, like, my Lord, like, that, she is beautiful. No, 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 no. And I can see him talking to himself because David struggled when it came to women. David's, no, no, this is a weakness. Just keep on walking. And I can imagine him walking, and he's talking to himself, and he's like, David, don't you go back. Don't go back on the other side of the palace. Well, how, okay, how about this? How about if I just get all the way around and surely she's going to be gone. It's a big old palace. Surely when I make my lap around, she'll be gone by the time I get back. And, and here it comes. He comes around the corner and she's, she's still there. And David just thinks to himself, I got to do something about this. You see, this was such a weak spot for David. David had showed his disregard for what God had planned all along because David kept marrying women. God wanted him to marry one wife and David just kept picking them up. It showed his disregard for being able to control himself. David was like, well, I mean, I don't want to just be sleeping with people. So how about I just marry you and then I can sleep with you whenever I want? Like, and God's like, no, that's not my plan. I don't want you marrying all these people. So David had already started this process. One scholar wrote it this way, and I thought this was so good. This corrupt seed sown long ago grew unchecked long enough and would bear bitter fruit. In other words, David had been planting these seeds in his heart, these seeds where he was disregarding his responsibility, disregarding what God wanted to do, letting the enemy have a foothold in his life by going, hey, I mean, she's pretty hot. Why don't you just go ahead and marry her? And David allowed this lust to hang around in his life. And it was a seed that grew unchecked until eventually it bore fruit. That was this catastrophic situation. Verse three. He sent someone to find out who she was by me. But I got to find out who this woman is. And he was told she is Bathsheba, the daughter of Iliam and the wife, the wife of Uriah, the Hittite. Uriah, the dude that's in your army, the dude that's fighting for you right now, where you supposed to be. Uriah, her husband, she is his wife. Mm -hmm. Then David sent messengers, go and get her. Let's just see what happens here, right? And when she came to the palace, he slept with her. I don't know exactly how it played out. I don't know if he, she was forced to. I don't know if she just decided, well, hey, you're cute too, or whatever happened. But they sleep together. 
And then the story gets complicated, as it always does, when one month later she shows up at the palace and she's like, hey, buddy, I'm pregnant, right? And, and this was a huge deal because her husband is gone to war, so it couldn't be his. It's not anyone else's. It's David. So David is in panic mode. He, he, he's going, oh, I've got to figure out this plan. So he starts to figure out how he's going to cover it up. And so what he does is he, he sends word to Uriah, her husband, hey, come on back home. I, I want to have a conversation with you and come tell me about how the war is going. And so he brings him home. His whole plan was if I get him home, I mean, he's been gone for a long time. He's going to want to sleep with his wife. I mean, and then uh, I see how the math goes there. And he doesn't know exactly when the baby's going to be born because he's going back to war. This will all be good and, and whew, we'll make it. Uriah's coming back here. But he didn't understand that Uriah was a man of honor. Verse 9, but Uriah didn't go home. He slept that night at the palace entrance with the king's palace guard. And when David heard that Uriah had not gone home, he summoned him. He said, what's the matter with you? Why didn't you go home last night after being away for so long? Why? Uriah replied, the Ark of the Covenant and the armies of Israel and Judah are living in tents. And Joab and my master's men are camping in the open fields. How could I go home to wine and dine and sleep with my wife? I swear that I would never do such a thing. Uriah's like, my boys are out there risking their lives, sleeping on the ground, out in the middle of nowhere. I'm not going home to my warm bed and drinking wine and sleeping with my wife. That would be dishonoring to them. David's like, okay, plan B, come over to my house for a party. And he gets Uriah drunk because he knows, look, he's a dude. He's going to get drunk. There's only going to be one thing on his mind. This will, we're going to clear all this up. But Uriah doesn't go home. He falls asleep on the ground in front of the palace doors again. And, and David is watching as his life is starting to spiral, his plan is getting out of control. He, he's realizing, man, this isn't going to work. This dude is, he's too honorable. And that should have been something that was admirable to David. But at this point, because he had gone so far down this road, it's a frustration. And so what does David do? Does he admit what's going on? Does he call Uriah in and say, hey, listen, this is what happened? Does he confess his sin? No, he tries to cover it up even more and he takes it way too far. Verse 14, the next morning, David wrote a letter to Joab and he gave it to Uriah to deliver. The letter instructed Joab, station Uriah on the front lines where the battle is fiercest, then pull back so that he will be killed. I'm I'm a very like visual processor. I can imagine Uriah walking with this letter in his hand and, and riding his horse back out to battle and thinking, I have this incredibly important message. And he, he hands it to Joab and Joab opens it up and he reads it and he's like, huh, did you read this, Uriah? No, no, of course not. It's from the king. I would never do that. Mm-hmm. Okay, fold it up, throw it away. And there goes Uriah's life. 
He's put on the front line. He's left to die. And King David has the cover-up that he hoped for. It's brutal. It's devastating. And, and David ended up having to pay some serious consequences for this. He, he had to deal with the consequences of it. But as God always does, he found a way to redeem the story. And it's a, a beautiful uh, ending to what happens in this situation. But that's for another day. The important thing for you and I to understand is, is there's an important distinction between what is not wrong versus what is wise. Listen, David woke up from a nap. He sees a woman bathing out on the, on the rooftop. He wasn't wrong for that. But as someone who's supposed to be a leader and is wise, he should have asked the question, should I keep, uh, should I keep up here? Like, should I keep hanging out here and keep looking and keep lingering? The wise thing would probably be, hey, uh, you got a couple other wives. Why don't you go take a cold shower or go be with them and leave that man's wife alone? But he doesn't. Because just one more will make things a little bit better. The maturity question that we ask is what is the wise thing to do? This is our overarching question today. What is the wise thing to do? You see so many times we, we try to think about things as right and wrong, but sometimes there isn't a clear answer to that. They both have some good and they both have some bad and they both have pros and cons. And the question isn't, well, is this one right and this one wrong? The question is, which one is the wisest? Which one is going to get me to the best decision. The author of the book that I mentioned last week's last week, Better Decisions, Fewer Regrets, he made a statement in this book that he has been making for decades now, probably. And it's so good. And it's rung true for me as I've made decisions in my life. And and I just love it. I want to share it with you because he put it in the book. And it goes like this. In light of my past experiences, my current circumstances in my future hopes and dreams, what is the wise thing to do? Let me say it again. Listen to it closely because this is huge. We're going to unpack it here in just a second. In light of my past experiences, my current circumstances, and my future hopes and dreams, what is the wise thing to do? But let's break that down a little bit more. Let's let's see what that really looks like as we're making these big decisions in our lives. And the first one is in light of my past experiences, in light of my past experience, what is the wise thing to do? And when I think about this, one of the the key points that I think we have to do is, is that we have to know our own pattern. Know what we normally do. Be honest with ourselves. Again, well, like we talked about last week, look in the mirror and say, okay, what do you normally do when this situation happens? Be honest with ourselves to say, hey, where are my strengths? What, what am I really good at when it comes to making decisions? What are those decisions that they, they play out really, really well? They tell the story that I want to tell. Okay, well, what about those ones where I'm weak? Where I make these decisions and it just falls apart after I do it or I just I crumble everything around me and I destroy everything around me because I can't figure out what I should do in these situations. Those are those weak ones. What's your pattern? What, what are the things that you typically do in these situations? 
And you have to be honest with yourself, evaluate yourself to go, hey, these are strong places. These are weak places. And I need to grow on some of those. Right. Like I'm making this decision. And four years ago, if I were to make this decision, what would I do? Right. Like how would that play out? Well, we talked about last week again. How would the story play out? You, you have your past experiences to draw on. Those are incredibly key. Where do you consistently trip yourself up? You're heading towards your purpose. You're heading towards what you're hoping to do. And something comes along the way and it trips you up every single time. What's that habit? What's that sin? What's that place? What's that person? What's that area of your life that it just keeps tripping you up? Those past experience in light of what I know about myself and how I've done things before, what is the wise thing to do? The other piece of that that is important to me and, and I believe it's important to you is understanding what's okay and good for other people may not be okay for you. You have to be honest with yourself about that. There are friends in your life, there are family members in your life that they can do things, they can make decisions certain way, they can live their life certain ways, that it doesn't impact them the same way that it's going to impact you. Again, you've got to be honest with yourself. Transparently for me, I understand that my bloodline has addictive traits, right? Like a lot of my family members, we all struggle with things coming into our lives and we kind of get addicted to them and it's, it's a big deal and, and some of us are able to break through them and some of us, we haven't. And I understand that about myself. So for me, I have to put certain guardrails in my life to not do certain things, not because I'm judgmental of other people, but because I know that if I do that, it's going to lead me to a darker place and it's not worth it. Right. There's certain things that you can do and places you can hang out and things you can watch and things that you can drink and do and do all of these things. That's not a big deal for you, but for me or for someone else in your life, it is. And so knowing that in light of my past experiences of knowing that if I'm not careful with certain things, what is the wise thing for me to do? What are those guardrails in my life that I need to put? Draw on those past experiences. Don't let them be an anchor that holds you back from your future, but you can reflect on those things and go, hey, that's where I messed up. Here's where I want to make it better. Continuing on, in light of your current circumstances, what is the wise thing to do? This is huge. I think a lot of times we don't take this into account. We think that the decision that we're making right this second or the fact that we need to make a decision right this second is going to be this overarching thing that will never have another chance again. And that's simply not true. Sometimes in your life, the situations that you're walking through, it requires you to make a different decision that you may then you may do a year from now or six months from now or even three months from now. Evaluate yourself honestly in my relationships right now. So think about your family. Where is your family right now? Look at the situation. Are they strong? Are they pressing forward? Does it feel like you're more unified than ever before? Well, then you can approach decisions differently than those families who feel like, man, this year has been chaotic. Our feet are shaking beneath us. Our foundation feels like it's eroding. Everywhere we turn around, any little thing that happens, it just feels like the biggest thing ever. 
well, then you probably need to be more careful with the decision that you make because your family's not stable enough to handle one that may not go exactly how you think. In light of my present current circumstances, think about your outside of your relationships financially. Well, I know that I'm supposed to be getting a raise in three months. So if I get it right now, it'll be fine because I'll catch up with it later. No, your current situation tells you you don't have that raise. So just wait. I don't want to wait. I'm ready to do it now. Just wait. Your current situation where you are currently and for the next three months, the decision tells you, but we don't like to do that. We don't want to evaluate that way. It's like, well, well, look what's coming. Well, that's fine, but it's not here. In light of your current circumstances, evaluate yourselves mentally. Where are you at? Mentally, do you feel healthy? Do you feel unhealthy? Do you feel like any little thing that comes in your life? Do you have decision fatigue? Where are you at mentally? Evaluate those things. Evaluate your current circumstances. And then spiritually, Where's your proximity to God? A better question is where's his proximity to your heart? Are you pursuing God? Do you feel like like he has direct access into your heart, direct access into your mind? Is he speaking to you in a way that you feel so clearly that you hear his voice? If not, then you probably need to press pause on some big decisions until you can get yourself in line with your Savior so he can speak clearly into your life to help connect you to the purpose that he created you with. Currently, your current circumstance, your current situation, your current place in life, where are you at? It plays a huge role in how you make decisions and a huge role in knowing what's actually wise right now. The last part, in light of my future hopes and dreams, what is the wise thing to do? Do you have future hopes? Do you have a vision for your life? Do you have a direction that you're pursuing? Do you have a purpose that wakes you up in the morning? A purpose that you're driving towards every day in your life? Do you? Because that's important. Because if you want to make decisions that help you have fewer regrets, you've got to have some kind of future hope that you're looking towards to say, hey, is this going to help me get towards that? We know too many people in our lives that they're just aimlessly going, hey, if if I'm just kind of a good person, things will work out. No, we have to be intentional. You and I understand that we, we can't just hope that things are going to be good. We've got to be intentionally moving in that direction. So I love our challenge for today. It lets you fill in this blank. In light of where you want to be blank, I'll fill it in for you in a second. In five years, what is the wise thing to do? So it looks like this. In light of where you want to be financially in five years, what's the wise thing to do? In light of where you want to be relationally in five years, what's the wise thing to do? Danny, I can't think about five years. Cool. Fine. In light of where you want to be financially in five months, what's the wise thing to do? In light of where you want to be spiritually next month, what's the wise thing 
to do. You fill in the blank, you fill in the timeline, and it gives you this important life-altering, decision-changing question that you can evaluate your life with. We'll close with this today. The Apostle Paul in his letter to the church in Ephesus, in Ephesians chapter 5, starting in verse 15, he says this, So be very careful how you live, not being like those with no understanding, but live honorably with true wisdom, for we are living in evil times. Take full advantage of every day as you spend your life for his purposes. Verse 17, and don't live foolishly, for then you will have discernment to fully understand God's will. This is such a huge line here. Not like those with no understanding. Hey, listen, you've been around us long enough. You've heard me say it enough times. We don't drift towards health. We don't drift towards a better future. We don't just wake up in the morning and go, yo, I think today is going to be a little bit better. No, we have to wake up with purpose, with intentionality. We have to wake up with this mindset that, hey, if I'm not pursuing what God has called me to do with my life, I'm going to drift to unhealthy, self-destructive behaviors. When it comes to your decisions, understand that God wants you to make healthy decisions. And one of the best ways to do that is to ask, hey, is this the wise thing to do? And the way that we know that, the way that we discover that is by pursuing, by not living like people who don't have that understanding. There's too many people in our life that wake up every day thinking that life's just happening to them. No. You don't have to live that way where life just happens to you. Things will happen, but you have a choice. You have an opportunity to change the direction and change the way that it impacts your life based on what you're trying to accomplish. I love this. So how do you live with true wisdom? Paul laid it out there. By taking advantage of every day as you spend your life for his purposes. Take advantage of every day, understanding that I am pursuing God's purposes in my life, in my community, in my family, in my city, and in my world. I am pursuing His purposes. And when we do that, it gives us clarity on what the wise decision is. Let's finish with one last truth today. While not every decision is right or wrong, there is an answer to which one is the wisest. There's an answer to that question. You're going to be dealing with situations where both answers have some good. Some are good, some are bad, some is right, some is wrong. But there there are huge moments in your life where both could be pretty good, both could be pretty right. But there's always going to be an answer when it comes to pursuing your purpose of God. There's always going to be one that's wisest. It's going to be the one that you can say, hey, God, you're my God. You're my creator. You're the one who who knit and formed my purpose from before I was even born. Hey, God, what's the wise thing to do? You have access to the creator of your soul, the creator of your purpose, the creator of our world. You have access to him and he wants to help you find wisdom in your decision making. Come on, let's talk to him right now. Heavenly Father, 
Lord, I thank you that we have access to you, that we can lean on you and say, hey, God, what do, what do I need to do with my life? What is, what's the wise decision? Not what's right, what's wrong, what's, what's more, what's less. God, what is the wise thing you want me to do in light of my past experiences, in light of my current circumstances, in light of my future hopes and dreams and the purpose that you've put in me. God, what is the wise thing to do? Lord, we pray for wisdom. We pray for you to help us to be able to be concrete in our decision and knowing what is wise for our life given our current situation. God, I thank you that you answer those prayers, that you're faithful to us, and that you're gonna help us make better decisions and have fewer regrets. God, we love you and we thank you. We pray all of this in your name. We hope that you enjoyed the message today. We would love to be able to partner with you on your faith journey. Regardless of where you're at or what you're walking through, know that your friends at City Hills Church are here for you. If you would like for us to pray for you, click the contact button on the top of the homepage and share your request with us. Our prayer team will keep you and your family in prayer every week. We hope you have an incredible day and that you discover a little more purpose throughout your week. We look forward to seeing you soon.